Hello and welcome to High Viz, the Cause Chambers Westgarth Construction Podcast. My name is Todd Spiller and I'm a Senior Associate in the Construction Team here at Cause. Today we are talking about proposed reform to the security payment legislation in Queensland. I'm talking of course about the Building Industry Fairness Bill of 2017, uh, which was recently introduced into Queensland Parliament and which proposes the most significant changes to the security payment regime in Queensland for over a decade, and certainly since 2014. In addition to making substantial amendments to Queensland's security payment framework, the bill among other things, introduces a requirement to establish project bank accounts and increases the powers of the building watchdog in Queensland, the QBCC, to address issues such as corporate phoenixing. Uh, I'm joined by Brisbane partners Andrew McCormack and Matthew Muir to discuss these changes. Andrew, if I can come to you first, perhaps we can start with the proposed introduction of project bank accounts. Can you tell us uh, what is a project bank account, how does it operate, and when will you need one? Okay, a project bank account is a trust arrangement designed to protect uh, amounts that a subcontractor may be entitled to in the event of a head contractor insolvency. A project bank account, or PBA, achieves this by ring-fencing contract amounts within this trust arrangement And that means that those amounts are not available to general creditors in the event of a liquidation or the administration of a head contractor. The head contractor is the trustee and is also a beneficiary of the project bank accounts, but it can't pay itself from funds in the project bank accounts until amounts that are to be paid by, sorry, to be paid to its subcontractors for the same work have been paid. Now, a project bank account actually comprises three separate trust bank accounts. There's a general trust account that uh, payments are to be made into by the principal and made out of to the subcontractors by the head contractor. There's also a retention account which is used for holding retention monies as as the name would suggest. And also there's a disputed funds account where amounts that are in dispute are to be placed. Now the head contractor is responsible for establishing these three trust accounts and for administering them. Interestingly, head contractors are not entitled to be paid for establishing or maintaining the project bank accounts. So this is all done at their own cost, although presumably will have some flow through to the contractor's corporate overhead on a job, albeit indirectly. So that's what a project bank account is. I think the second part of the question you asked me was, well, when do you need one? Um, The regime is actually being introduced in two phases. Uh, Phase 1 will apply from the 1st of January 2018, assuming the legislation is passed, and Phase 2 will apply from 1st of January 2019. Uh, In Phase 1, the uh, PBA regime has a more limited effect. Uh, It only applies to building contracts where the principal is the state of Queensland or a state authority. Uh, it also needs to be for a, a contract price that's between $1 million and $10 million. If those criteria are satisfied, then the a PBA needs to be established. In phase two, the meaning of a PBA contract where a, a PBA is required is broadened 
uh, to include all building contracts, whether the principal is a government entity or a private entity. Uh, it also applies to building contracts as long as the value is $1 million or more. Interestingly, another key difference is in phase one, project bank accounts is only required if the building contract is a head contract. Um, once we get to phase two and the more broader application of the PBA regime, it applies to any contract, whether it's a head contract or a subcontract, that satisfies those criteria that we talked about before. That is principally that the value of the particular contract, whether it's a head contract or a subcontract, is more than $1 million and is for the performance of building work. Now, there are some exceptions where um, a project bank account won't be required. Importantly, they are where the work is residential construction work, there's no PBA required, or if the contract is for maintenance work. The explanatory notes to this bill also state that uh, a PBA will not be required for engineering contracts. Now, the explanatory notes say that engineering contracts will include uh, contracts for building roads, bridges, and transport, uh, but doesn't make an express reference to rail, interestingly. The concept of engineering contracts is not actually further discussed in the bill, and it's assumed, and we'll wait and see, that that will be dealt with in more detail in the regulations that will accompany uh, the legislation uh, when it's come back from Parliamentary Committee. Okay, thanks, Andrew. Matthew, if I can turn to you, um, the BIF bill also proposes some fairly significant changes to Queensland's security of payment legislation. Can you provide a, a summary of the most important changes? Todd, that's right. There are some really significant changes to the secure payment legislation which are proposed in this bill. The first and probably most significant um, amendment um, that's proposed is to incorporate the New South Wales uh, recent changes around uh, payment claims such that any payment claim, whether it's endorsed uh, with the uh, as being a claim under the relevant SOP legislation or not, will be a payment claim for the purposes of the legislation. It's a significant change, um, one which uh, I think will have a very um, significant impact in the industry. It essentially means that all recipients of a payment claim under the contract uh, must pursue, uh, presume that the the claim is also a claim made under the Act with the consequences which can follow. That's going to add, I think, a fairly significant administrative cost to the assessment and management of, of payment claims going forward. The second, and I think equally significant change, is the change in relation to uh, the provision of payment schedules. Previously, the legislation, like legislation in the other states, allows for a second chance to put in a payment schedule. Here, there is no second chance. It's entirely removed, which means, essentially, that if you don't put in a payment schedule within the statutory limit being 10 business days, you're done. You cannot later put in a payment schedule explaining the reasons for your assessment of the amount being less than the amount claimed. And significantly, um, if you don't put in a payment schedule and the matter goes to adjudication, you cannot put in an adjudication response. Some might say that's um, unfair. You can all have your own views about it, but it's certainly it's a very significant and draconian consequence um, for the uh, failure to put in a payment schedule within the required time. Also, uh, interestingly, by way of further penalty 
for not putting in a payment schedule, uh, it is actually an offence to fail to, to fail to do so, um, and, and uh, it's uh, punishable by up to 100 penalty units, and it's also grounds for dis disciplinary action um, under the um, the QBCC uh, Act, uh, which means that uh, ultimately it could lead to uh, removal of a, uh, a company's licence to operate in the building industry. Fairly significant consequence, I think everyone would agree. Lastly, I'll mention uh, another change that's proposed around um, the um, adjudication response that a party might put in. Um, so there is provision for the regulations to limit the length of submissions that can be included in the adjudication response. As I read it, there's no similar provision for the limitation of an adjudication application. Um, so this uh, could have a really significant consequence where there are, um, say, significant issues that have to be responded to in an adjudication application. The respondent in those uh, circumstances will be severely limited um, and could be limited to a page length. Let's hope that doesn't happen. Let's hope that if it does happen, um, it's reasonable. Um, otherwise, we're going to be see adjudication responses in 0.8 font um, with no margins, um, top, bottom, left or right. Thanks, Matthew. Uh, staying with you, I understand the BIF bill will consolidate all existing security payment legislation, not only the BCIP Act, but also the Subcontractors' Charges Act a peculiar piece of legislation well known to Queensland practitioners. Can you tell us a bit more about that? That's right, Todd. The bill will consolidate the security payment legislation and uh, the Subcontractors Act all into one legislative, legislative um, instrument. It will mean that it's a one-stop shop for all things related to security payments and um, uh, subcontractors' charges, something that's... Um, peculiar to Queensland in any event. The subcontractors that charges uh, provisions within the bill remain with the same structure as the old Subcontractor uh, sub Charges Act. There are some changes there. There's some improvement around the language used. Um, you may know that the Subcontractors Charges Act has been referred to as the worst drafted piece of legislation uh, in Australia. I think maybe that's a little unfair, um, but certainly there's some improvement around the drafting of the relevant provisions. There are some changes uh, consequent upon the project bank accounts, which Andrew's spoken about. Um, essentially, um, you cannot uh, use a subcontractor's charge to charge money in a project bank account. Um, that's fairly significant and limitation on uh, people's uh, ability to go up the line in the contracting chain to be able to secure payment for the work that they've performed. Probably the intent is that the project bank accounts will cure any failure to flow money through the contractual chain. We'll wait and see whether that is the panacea for the problem. Um, but certainly, uh, with the with the changes if implemented, uh, you won't be able to charge uh, money in a project bank account. The previous law around having to elect between um, using the security of payment legislation or using a subcontractor's charge. Um, and not being able to use both at the same time uh, is retained, um, and uh, that will continue to be the case. So no great change there. The Subcontractors Charges uh, Act uh, has been, and will, I think, continue to be a very um, uh, effective uh, legislative uh, set of rights for people 
and to be able to to use it, it certainly will retain its force it might not have force on projects that have project bank accounts um, but it will still be very relevant within the industry and uh, we look forward to um, seeing those changes thanks matthew and finally one last question for you andrew it strikes me that amid all of these reforms we shouldn't overlook that changes are also proposed to the powers of the building industry watchdog in Queensland, the QBCC. Uh, what, in your view, is the most significant proposed change to the powers of the regulator? I think the most important change to the uh, QBCC Act, that's the act that governs the uh, powers of the regulator uh, of the construction industry in Queensland, are the changes that have been introduced to address what's known as corporate phoenixing. Corporate phoenixing is when a person who has control or influence over a construction company has a pattern of restructuring its corporate affairs so as to continue operating its business interests even where previous uh, companies have failed. So in particular, this is where a person has uh, a company which is deliberately liquidated to avoid paying its creditors, and then the business rises again from the ashes, like a phoenix, uh, under the guise of a new construction company and other new body corporates. Now, the new legislation uh, seeks to tackle this by uh, stating that uh, a person who can be excluded from holding a QBCC license, which is required to undertake building work in Queensland, uh, can include what's known as an influential person. So an influential person can be banned from being a license holder. An influential person is someone who is not necessarily and indeed doesn't need to be um, a corporate officer, so a director or a company secretary, but who nevertheless uh, controls or substantially influences um, the construction company's conduct. The explanatory notes state that the intent and the clear intent of these amendments is to address corporate phoenixing and to ensure that those influential persons who have been instrumental in the collapse of a construction company are prevented from holding a QBCC license uh, in the future. Uh, this is, I think, to be seen by many um, as a very positive development. It's difficult to see any justification for, for not introducing these provisions, and it, it will close off uh, the avenue of corporate phoenixing for a way for uh, people who've left creditors out of pocket uh, continuing to run their business uh, and accrue further debts, which they can then leave behind and move on again. I think it's a very positive development. Matthew and Andrew, thank you for joining me today. It's fair to say that even outside the State of Origin series, a bit of Biff is still flavour of the month in Queensland. To our listeners, we hope you will join us again for the next episode of Cause High Viz. Thank you and goodbye. This podcast is for reference purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and should not be relied upon as such. You should always obtain legal advice about your specific circumstances.